Well, good morning, everybody. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes? No? Can Oh, whoa, now you can hear me. <laughs> All right, tell me if I'm too loud or too soft. I don't know. Well, it's so good to have everybody here today. And um, I guess you guys are desperate for God, huh? <laughs> So um, let me just hear from maybe some of you guys what drew you to this class, maybe uh, what you expect to get out of this class uh, today. So is there, do I have any volunteers? What drew you to here today? Anybody? Okay. Just drawing closer to God. Awesome. Anybody else? Yeah. I'm sorry. To be charged up. Yes. That's awesome. Right. Session, yes, awesome. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, so sometimes we're in a situation where we need an answer now, Lord, yes. How do we break through? Those are all awesome. Well, praise God. And I tell you what, we need God today. I need God's help today. So I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer and just ask him for his help today. Um, I asked my husband, Aliano, here. He's going to be helping um, teach today. And also Pastor Donna Barrett is going to be helping us as well. Um, just to let you know, uh, my husband and I, we were, are from Youngstown, Ohio, where we have been the last 25 years, I guess. And, um, we, uh, were at Metro Assembly of God Church. We planted the church there. And then we also had a nonprofit ministry called Heartreach Ministries that I was the executive director of. And, um, then recently we have moved to Columbus to serve in the Ohio Ministry Network office. Um, my husband is going to be the, is the director of church multiplication and I'm serving in the, um, district office to help our state with the ministry of, um, orphan care in Ohio, ministering to foster families and foster children. So that's where we're at now. Pastor Donna, she is the pastor of Rockside Assembly in the Cleveland area. And so I'm so glad that she's going to help us out here today. But we need God. We need God, and I need God's help today. We all need the Lord. So let's go to him in prayer right now, okay? Father God, we thank you, God. You are such a good and wonderful God, Lord. I just thank you, Jesus, that you are a relational God. And even how great you are, how awesome you are, you desire, God, to know us. You desire that relationship with us. And Father God, I just pray today, would you help us today as we share and present? Would you help me, Father God, just to be your vessel to flow through? Lord, I pray, God, that you God would have your way in this session, God, that you, God, would be glorified today, Father God. We just love you, and we want to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So, you know, like my sister said, she said there's times where you desperately have to hear from God. So I've had those times in my life where you were just in a crisis, crisis situation, and you're like, God, I desperately need you. I remember when my brother was struck by lightning in the head and died, and they brought him back to life, and he was in the hospital in a coma, And the doctors told the family, well, you know, we don't know if he's going to make it. And if he does make it, don't expect much because he's going to be basically probably brain dead because the lightning hit him in the head. And so at that point, we were desperate for God. You know, we were calling on everybody we knew to pray and to intercede for my brother. That was a desperate moment. And praise God, God is just so awesome. He he showed up in that hospital room, and within 24 hours, my brother woke up out of that coma, was talking, he recognized us. God had completely touched his body and healed his mind, and the doctors and everybody were like, this is a miracle. There's no way to explain this. This is a miracle. Yeah. So... Praise God. So there's times like that when we are desperate. We're like, God. And then there's times where you feel like God's maybe asking you to step out on water, step out on faith, like jump off the cliff and just trust him. And at those moments, you're desperate for God. You're like, okay, God, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to follow you, but I'm going to look really, really foolish and stupid if you don't show up. So God, I'm desperate for you. You know, I remember at Heartreach, um, the inner city ministry that we, ha- we, ha- that I was uh, the director of, I remember being in a situation, probably more than once, but where we just didn't have the finances. It was just a real low point. And, um, you know, we were getting shut off notices for our gas, you know, and we have this huge building. And, you know, we have a bus ministry. Our bus broke down. I mean, it was just one thing after another. And I was like, okay, God, I'm desperate. I am desperate for you. It's one of those situations. And, you know, once again, when I was crying out to God, saying, God, you know, I need $2,000 for the gas bill. I need my bus fix. I need this. You know, and I felt like God said to me, Paris, are you seeking me for provision or are you seeking me? You know, and at that point, I was like, Lord, you know, I forgive me. I don't want to seek you just for provision. I want to seek you. I want to know you. And you know what? When I begin seeking God just for him, just God, I need more of you. I need you in my life. Do you know God provided everything that was needed? I mean, miraculously, the day they were going to shut off our gas, a pastor shows up and says, God told me to give you this, a check for $2,000, the exact amount that we needed. Like, wow, that was definitely God, you know? Someone else came who was a mechanic who fixed our bus for nothing. I mean, it was just like miracle after miracle. But you know what? It's important that we seek God, you know? And when we seek God, everything will fall into place. You know, everything will line up. 
And um, so today we're talking about just being desperate for God. And we're going to look at the biblical theology of prayer, you know, and then we're going to look at the importance of corporate prayer and how God uses us when we unite together and pray. So we're going to look at corporate prayer, and then we're going to be also looking at how to pray scripture, how to pray when we through the scripture. So we're going to be looking at that today. So I'm going to ask my husband to come, and he's going to kind of go over biblical theology of prayer. Oh, yeah. Good morning. Little technical things Technical adjustment. I was thinking as Pierce was talking about this subject of desperation, of course, I'm going to get into the answer of that, which is our prayer life and our relationship with God. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of different reasons why we end up desperate. And some, sometimes we end up desperate because of our own choices and our own decisions. That's not the kind of desperation you want to hang out in. But what I found is that kind of desperation will drain you emotionally. It'll drain you physically. It'll drain you spiritually. But what I found is when you're in a desperate situation because God placed you there, now that's a whole different ball game. Uh, or if you're in a desperation because you are attempting something so, so big, that God led you to attempt that if, if it's destined for failure unless God shows up, that's the kind of desperation that really builds character and wa- our walk with God. So we're, I'm going to talk about a theology of a prayer for just a few minutes, very simple, and uh, how prayer is God's answer um, to desperation. I'm going to come back to this question, but I want you to think about this. I'll come back to it in a few minutes. First of all, did you ever wonder why Jesus prayed when he was on earth? I mean, why does God need to pray? Think about that. We'll come back to that, and hopefully you guys have the answers. Um, <laughs> I looked up some, some facts real quick on, on the Internet, and, and uh, this is from a, uh, a legitimate research project by the Pew uh, Research people, and... They found in this project that uh, Americans pray more than we think we do. But the question is, are we, who are we praying to and are we getting results? Amen? So, like, they found that, that uh, everyday prayer, more than half, 55% of Americans say they pray every day. I think that's interesting. According to a Pew Research survey, 21% say they pray weekly or monthly, and 23% say they seldom, if ever, pray. Now, amongst those with religious affiliation or unaffiliation, they're not affiliated religiously to any denomination or church, 20% say that they pray. That's interesting. Um, it also said that women, 64%, are more likely to pray than men, 46%, on a daily basis. I wonder why that is, men. I'll let you guys figure that out. And uh, Americans 65 and older are far more likely to pray than those that are under 30. 65% of people older than, than um, 60, age 65 pray on a regular basis, and under 30, only about 41% pray. So the question is not whether we pray, it's how we pray, how we connect with God, right? How we keep ourselves in this constant, uh, I call it positive, energizing tension between being desperate for God and connecting to our power source, like our speaker spoke about this morning. So if 
we're to become effective in prayer. If we're going to pray, we want to be effective. Amen. And if we're going to be effective, I don't think there's a formula. I think there's spiritual and biblical principles. Some folks love to do seminars and kind of go off a little bit on, you know, the different words that you use and, and, and the approach. But I believe Jesus gave us the approach in God's word. So I just want to lay some things out. If you read the Bible and you study the topic of prayer and you took all the prayers in the Bible and you filtered them down to basic categories, you would find that all the prayers in the Bible probably fall in three basic categories, which is not going to profound anyone in this room, but they probably fall under the category of personal prayer, intercessory prayer, or corporate prayer. I'm going to quickly blow through the first two because I think we're familiar with those a lot. But what I find in the church and among church people is that we do not tap into the third one enough. The power of praying together for kingdom purposes. So, uh, first of all, personal prayer. Uh, the purpose of that is to strengthen and to build up our personal faith. So, uh, you can read several examples of that. I, I'm thinking of Daniel's prayer, life in Babylon, and boy, did he need it, Right? How many of you know that we are living in modern-day Babylon in America? And our prayer life is essential because if not, this culture will devour us. It will, it will take, it will change the way we think. It'll change the way we behave. It'll change the way we talk. It'll change our priorities. So, and then, and then Jesus had a personal prayer life, right? Uh, Luke chapter 11 verses 1 through 4 talks about how he went to a certain place and he prayed on a regular basis and there is where he lists the famous the Lord's Prayer, which we know was a model, but it also was his heart. Amen? So, you know, let's go back to that question. Uh, why did Jesus pray when he was on earth? Why did Jesus pray? Anybody want to take a stab at that? Yes, sir. To glorify the Father. To glorify the Father. I, I think that's a great answer. Because everything he did was to glorify the Father. Okay, anyone else? Anyone else? Why do you think Jesus prayed? Lead by example. Okay, very good. In the back? Same? Excellent, excellent, excellent. Yes? He needed intimacy with his Father. Okay. So you're all, you're all over what I've kind of put down. I'll give you four things right here. We can summarize that. Um, he was fully man as well as being fully God. But while he was on this earth, he was fully man. So he experienced everything man experienced, right? So he needed a constant spiritual revitalization. So that's why he prayed personally to revitalize his spiritual walk. Um, you said to glorify the Father. I, I put to make sure that he was always in complete alignment with the Father. So when he was on this earth, the only way that he could make sure he was in complete alignment was, with the Father was to communicate with the Father. So I, I find that really interesting. Um, in fact, I, I've kind of disciplined my own prayer life every day. I, I pray that prayer. I think David wrote it. Lord, if there's anything that offends you or anything in my life that's out of alignment with you, Please make me aware of that. And uh, the third thing is he prayed to give us a model. The brother in the back said that on how to obtain intimacy, inspiration, strength in the Lord. And then fourthly, he prayed because of the burden of his calling. I mean, remember him in the Garden of Gethsemane? That's in Matthew 26. 
And he prayed out of desperation because the calling was a great burden. It wasn't that it was a burden that was too hard to bear because God gave him the strength to bear it. He would never give us a burden that's too hard to bear, but it still was a burden that affected him emotionally, affected him physically. He sweat drops of blood, right? It affected him um, spiritually. So we know personally if Jesus saw that it was important to pray that we need to do the same. Amen? The second type of prayer is intercessory prayer, and I'm going to hit that really quick. Um, intercessory prayer is when we pray intensely and perseveringly on behalf of others. So an intercessory prayer is about laboring before God, standing in the gap for somebody else. Uh, there's so many examples of that in Scripture. Abraham in Genesis chapter 20 prayed for the king to be healed. Moses uh, interceded for the Israelites because God wanted to destroy them. Uh, Nehemiah was desperate when he found out about the remnant of the Jews in Jerusalem, and he prayed an intercessory prayer. And then, of course, some of the greatest prayers ever prayed were from Paul. If you read the, uh, the, the letters that Paul wrote, there's some great examples of intercessory prayer. And we're not going to go through those today because I want to get to the last one, which is what I call corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is when you pray together with other people to seek the heart of God and the will of God on behalf of a people group or a nation or your community. I think this is the one to me that goes untapped. But we all know the scriptures. I can go around this room and we can hit all the scriptures like the one that says where two, two or more of you agree on anything on earth it shall be what? Done in heaven, right? There's authority that comes when we come together and align ourselves with the will of God and the heart of God and we are working and collaborating together. In, in fact, you know what amazes me is sometimes the thing that we do least when you kind of log out the services. How many of you have a service planner and you got the minutes and everything on your service? I know these newer churches, like you get up there and they got you got five minutes to open up this service. And if you're not done preaching by, you know, 1150, all right, we're turning the sound system up. You know, everything's scripted out. And when I look at those scripts, I, I see, you know, Five minutes to pray. I remember hearing from um, Wilson. What's, what's Wilson's name? He spoke a couple years ago at the minister's retreat. The guy from Texas, Scott Wilson, has this mega church. And, and God convicted him one day in his prayer time. And he said, look, can I have some time in your service? And Scott says, Lord, you know the whole service is about you. He said, no, you got me down to five minutes here. And he began to make space in the service for the Holy Spirit to move. But, you know, I, I, I just don't think that we tap into that enough. And, and uh, if you go into the Old Testament and you go into the New Testament, you see consistent times where the people gathered together corporately to pray on behalf of the nation and to pray on behalf of their people. Even in Second Chronicles chapter 6 and 7, when Solomon built that, that temple... And they're dedicating the temple. Uh, the whole purpose of the temple was to be a house of prayer. It was to be a place where they sought the Lord. And, and in, if you look at uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, I think verse 34, here's what it says. 
And he gives a whole list of things, but he says, when you come here and your people go out to battle against their enemies, whenever you send them and when they pray to you toward this city, which you have chosen and the temple that I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. Um, so the temple was a gathering place. So you could see when Jesus walked into the temple area, right? And he sees all these people gambling and playing bingo, whatever else they selling the doves and all that stuff and turning the house of worship into a place of profit um, that he got mad. He turns the tables over. But what were the words he says? He didn't say, this is a church where you come to worship God. No, he said, my house, what, what did he say? Shall be called a house of prayer. Now I'm going to throw this out there and just let it hang in the air. And I'm not your pastor, so you can fire me, but I'm not your pastor. Does your church have that kind of reputation? When people think about going to your church, do they think about, wow, this is a place where people pray. When Paris and I chose a church and we came to Columbus, we found a church that prays. I mean, they pray all the time. And, and that was so impressive. But some of the greatest breakthroughs in our ministry has come because of corporate desperate prayer. Paris is going to share those stories in just a minute. Um, but if you, if you think about it, like Esther chapter four, you know, it was a point of desperation when Esper, Esther told Mordecai to call all the people together, right? Call them all together. Just fast and pray. Cause if we don't, we will no longer be a people. The Jews were about to get wiped off the face of the earth. That will bring you to a point of desperate prayer, right? If you read the story of Jehoshaphat, right? Jehoshaphat, king of Jerusalem, all the kings put together this great contingency to totally wipe Israel off the map. What did they do? They came together and they prayed. I just got back from Israel about four weeks ago and we went to the Wailing Wall, they called it, or the Western Wall. And all these Jews are there crying out to God, desperately praying for the Messiah to come. And I, I just was so impressed. And so in, in one quarter of the city, you see the Jews praying. And then in another quarter of the city is where the Muslims are. And three times a day, that call to prayer takes off. Everybody in that Muslim quarter stops everything. I was in there. They stop everything. I'm getting my food. Boop, nope, got to pray. It's like, whoa, just give me my food first. <laughs> and they all get down and they pray and they seek the Lord. So God is going to do something powerful when he gets his church to a position where we are desperate for him. And I begin to realize that my prayers are not enough. They're powerful, but some strongholds require mine and your prayers together. Amen. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about what happens when we pray together. I want, I want to, I'll, I'll get you set up. Paris is about to tell some stories and some major things that happen when we pray together. I'm going to set it up. We just came back from Tanzania and we took 40 some people, 45 pastors and leaders to Tanzania to witness this incredible revival. I don't have all the statistics of how the, how they have grown, but they've, They've grown in the last 10 years. They've, they've planted nearly 8,000 churches, I believe, between eight and 10,000 churches. No, that's the, that's the, uh, the, uh, believers. 
but they've seen millions of people come to the Lord. But everything about what they do is the DNA is prayer. I mean, we went and we ministered all over that nation. So we spoke at their district councils and they had five preaching sessions and five prayer meetings connected to it every day. How about that one? They did business every day, but we preached five times and every time they had a prayer rally afterwards and they had to stop the people from praying in order to move on. I was so moved by that. But what really moved me, what really moved me is that the last day they canceled the business session, the last one. And 10,000 people all over that nation, probably 700 to 7,000 to 10,000 all over that nation stopped and prayed for an hour and a half at the same time for Ohio. They prayed for Ohio. It was so awesome. And that place was rocking. I mean, where we were, it was so intense where we were praying that I would literally go lay hands on somebody and the spirit of faith that was on them was imparted to me. I'm praying for them and I'm receiving something. It's like I'd touch them and say, no, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> you know? I'm praying for you and you're, and I'm, it was so powerful. And I know that's why God's moving in that nation because I know corporate, passionate, desperate corporate prayer not only connects with the heart of God, but engages the engine of God. (laughs) And when the engine of God is engaged, man can't match that worth nothing. All of our seminars and all of our great uh, skills that we have cannot match what happens when we pray and God shows up. So Paris is going to share some stories and some direction that way, and then we're going to have a little exercise with Pastor Donna. Praise God. You know, know, one thing is, we have those desperate times when we call out to God. But then another prayer of mine. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We have to look up here at the recording. So, <laughs> Thank you, honey. Um, but one prayer of mine is, Lord, when I'm going through the good times, when I don't, I'm not really in a crisis situation, Lord, help me to seek you just as much. You know, help me to be just as desperate for you in those times as even in the, in the crisis situations, you know. And, um, one thing, when we went to Youngstown, uh, at first, it was in the 90s, and, I know our city in Youngstown was just uh, in such bondage to um, organized crime and corruption. There was just corruption in our city. It was terrible. Uh, you know, you think of the mafia being way back when, but I'm telling you, it was in the 90s. You know, we had <laughs> that stronghold of mafia in the Youngstown. And I remember some of the the key pastors in our city it was the AG pastor, the Baptist pastor, and the Presbyterian pastor, different denominations. They all came together, and they started praying and seeking God. And then the churches started having corporate prayer meetings together. Um, just We were desperate to see God move in our city to break that stronghold of corruption. And I remember just praying and seeking God. And around the same time, there was the March for Jesus that came through. And it kind of brought the churches together. And I just remember such a desperation in our churches and in our, in our, in the body of Christ in Youngstown. And we were really praying and seeking God together. And do you know, I mean, God showed up. He did the miraculous. 
I mean, that in, in 1996, there was a huge breakthrough. I mean, the FBI did this huge investigation and, and there were, um, 65 indictments that year of, of, of high officials. I mean, a senator, mayor that was the, um, police, in the police department, the sheriffs, the lawyers. It was the judges. I mean, it was a huge breakthrough. And one of the things that happened was the, um, a prosecuting attorney that was elected, Paul Gaines, he, he uh, was not being bribed by the mob, and that was a big thing. And the mob kept threatening him and threatening him, and he would not take a bribe. And, you know, they shot him a bunch of times, thought he was dead. He didn't die. He came back. Um, you know, God raised him up, I believe, and he was able to identify his shooter. Well, when they, when they got the shooter, then the shooter rolled over on the next guy who rolled over on the next guy and it went all the way up to the high officials. It was like God used that to break that in our city. And, you know, before that, I mean, unemployment was at a all-time high. I think there were like 65 homicides before that year. And um, at that year, it was just broken. And I just know that it was the church coming together. And it was across the denominational lines. It was just people of God coming together and seek God in desperate Desperate desperation for their city, and God broke through. And then, you know, as I look back over that, I look and see that, uh, you know, and that stayed for a while, but then it kind of, kind of like, um, I don't know, fizzled out. You know, the, the, one of the main pastors who was in charge of that lead, he passed away. Another pastor moved out of, out of state. And so it kind of, the unity and the prayer kind of dwindled a little bit. And you know what I noticed? Crime started going up. The murder rate started going back up. So in like 2007, we had 45 homicides. Crime was rampant again. And so once again, we're like, God, we need to do something. We, we need to come back together and pray. We need to be unified. And so, you know what? We started gathering together pastors and other pastors that had the same burden, um, and started praying. And once again, when the church got together and started praying, we, uh, God started moving and not only did the church start praying, but we started doing outreaches in our community together. Every summer we'd be out every week with other churches. It started out with like three churches. Um, and it was Baptist, Assemblies of God, uh, Hispanic. It was like all of us. And then it started growing and growing and more churches getting involved. And we started doing unity prayer services together where we just come together and just pray for our city. And then once again, we started seeing the crime rate, rate go down, 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 down. And, um, in 2016, that's the last, stat, the last stat I got, the homicide rate went 
all the way down to 12. And, you know, we said, you know, we're not going to be satisfied, though, until it's zero. You know, but it was just, you can kind of see the correlation between prayer and the the body of Christ coming together and, you know, how the crime went down in our city. It's just amazing when you look at that. But, you know, there's something about the body of Christ coming together in unity and praying. You know, um, you know, I'm reminded of Second Chronicles 7.14, which you guys could probably all quote with me. Huh? <laughs> but uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, seek my face and pray, then I will hear from heaven and heal them, right? And so, um, and I believe that's true. We have to come together and seek the face of God. So some lessons that we can learn from corporate prayer. Let me just go over some, some lessons that we can learn. Is number one, it unifies people. It brings people together in one accord. You know, when you're praying together, it's hard to be at odds with each other. <laughs> when you're praying together, there is a bonding that takes place. There's a unity. I know in Youngstown, we had different races coming together, different denominations coming together, and we were on one accord. We were together. We were unified. Uh, corporate prayer helps us to build each other up. It strengthens us. Ecclesiastes 4.9, if you want to just write that down, we won't go to it, but uh, it's a scripture, and uh, my husband's going to tell you about a group called John 17, that's a good example of this, how prayer builds each other up and strengthens one another. Okay, stay close. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, um, in, in Youngstown, we noticed um, that there seemed to be a lack of unity among pastors in fact, it seemed like it was easier to get lay people together than pastors together to pray. And a lot of that came because there, there was just this difference, not just denominationally, but there was this difference in um, everything from politics to race to um, where you lived, you know, what social economic status. And there was all these divisions. And what we noticed is oftentimes we try to work together without even knowing each other. And we found that prayer is the thing that, that is, builds those bridges. That we may be drastically different in every other way, but one thing we do agree on is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So we formed a group called John 17, which the whole purpose of that group was for us to come together once a month and bear our souls to each other. It was pastors only, no lay people were invited uh, for the reason that we were gonna, we were gonna be transparent and very open about our struggles. And we were not allowed to promote anything. It was, it was called no promos, no egos, and no logos. <laughs> so people would try to come and say, hey, hey, we're doing this event at our church. You want to, can I talk about it? No, can't talk about it. Hey, hey, I was wondering, you know, our, our, our particular denomination is having this conference. Don't talk about that. We're here to talk about the Word of God and pray together. And once we got that settled, 25 to 30 pastors come every month and we pray together and we share God's word together and we don't do anything else. But what we found is an incredible unity when we pray. And, you know, God needs to heal leaders and God needs to deliver leaders because Satan knows that if he can wear us out and trip us up and get us off our game, 
then we are going to lead a lot of people astray. So that John 17 group has become just a time of connecting with God and connecting with each other and a very good uh, base for moving us into new directions. So um, it helps us to bear one another's burdens. In Galatians 6.2, it says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know, it's bearing with each other, and it, it lightens our load. Another uh, another lesson that we can learn from corporate prayer is agreeing with someone in prayer removes doubt. So it helps build our faith, you know. Sometimes we may have doubt, but when we see the faith of someone else, and it, it lifts our faith, it helps us not to doubt. I remember one time... We were doing one of our outreaches, uh, unity outreaches to the community, and it was it was starting to rain, and the sky was like black. And you know, Al and I were like, oh, "We might as well just pack up. Let's let's just leave." You know, and um, it's funny because we're the spiritual ones, we're the assemblies of God people, right? And our Baptist uh, brother. He was like, no, no, we got to pray. God God can stop this. And, uh, you know, he's the one that's all filled with faith and stuff. So we get the group together and just seeing everybody's faith, like God's going to, God's going to hold back the clouds, you know, it, it raised our faith. And so we were like, yeah, you know, but at first I'm telling you, I was like, oh, I don't see it happening, you know? So sure enough, we started praying and they prayed that God would give us a window of opportunity to minister. And you know, the rain stopped, the sun came out for about, uh, what, two hours where we could have our event and outreach and ended up praying for people. God moved. And then when we were all done and packed up in our cars, it started pouring. So I was like, wow. So you know what? Corporate prayer can help remove that doubt. It can build our faith. Uh, another lesson we learned is that uh, corporate prayer is mutually beneficial. It helps um, it helps each other. We help each other. And you know what? When we pray with others, somehow it ends up that our problems and stuff sometimes seem very small. You know, we start praying for others and interceding for others and, and you know, carrying others, the load of others. We start praying for them. And so God brings into perspective you know, hey, what you're going through isn't so big, you know. So it's mutually beneficial, just like Al mentioned with um, Esther. You know, Esther went at a desperate time, you know, and uh, asked everybody to come together to pray and to fast. And, uh, you know, she was willing to lay her life down. And that's kind of how it is with prayer. When we pray with others, it's like you get to the point where you're willing to lay your life down and just sacrifice and stand in the gap for them. You know, so it's beneficial to one another. Another thing we learn that there's added power in prayer. It's just, you know, when you come together and pray, just like Al had mentioned, you know, there's that power that comes through prayer. You know, we see it in Acts. We see it all through Acts. We see it in Acts chapter 2, uh, just the power of coming together and God moves. I know one time 
once again, we were doing this outreach in the Kimmelbrooks in Youngstown, which is, um, it was uh, a pretty rough area. And I remember one of our teenagers had gotten away from the group, and we told everybody, stay together, stay together, stay together, but you know. And so he got, he got away from the group, and he had some enemies who actually uh, beat him up, you know. And then we, we got him, we put him on the bus, and these gang members were there, and they were actually rocking the bus. They were, like, going to get on the bus, and we were trying to stop them, and we were like, God, what do we do, you know? And so, you know, we started praying, and, I mean, as a group, we started praying, and it was, like, one of the most amazing things I saw. It started, like, the clouds rolled in, and the sky turned black, and the wind started blowing, and so all those gang members ran to their to their apartments, their porches, and they're on their porches, and... um and all of us, we got in a big circle, and we just started praying and worshiping and and seeking God, you know, to break that stronghold in that neighborhood. And do you know, this is like just the most amazing thing. It started raining all around, pouring down, but in our circle, it was completely dry. There wasn't a drop of rain in that circle. And do you know what happened? Those gang uh, members that were on their porches and stuff were watching and before we knew it, they were in our circle. <laughs> and you know, we ended up praying for them and it was like God just totally reversed that situation. You know, but I believe it was because there was a group of us praying together and God just like showed up. It was like so awesome. I'll never forget that as long as I live, but Another uh, another lesson we learn is that uh, great it, it gives greater glory to God when we come together and pray. I know um, when my husband in 2014 was in the hospital and uh, he had pancreatitis, and we did not know if he was going to make it or not. I mean, his his life was on the line. And I remember so many people coming and praying, and there was just such a, a unity and just so many people praying for him. And, uh, you know, that was just a miracle of God. God raised him up off, up off of his deathbed, you know, and healed his body. And, you know, because so many people were praying, so many people got to experience that miracle. And so that gives more glory to God. You know, when we have a group coming together and praying, it's like they, they see the desperate situation. And when you have a big group, then God gets more glory. You know, he, everybody involved gives glory to God because they see the miraculous hand of God. So there's a power in praying together, and God gets the glory. And um, I don't know about you, but when you pray together, uh, you get to really know somebody. You know, you can, you can feel their hearts. You can feel their hearts. So that's another, another thing we learn when we pray together. We really get to know somebody. Um, 
So those are some lessons we can learn from corporate prayer. I just wanted to go over quickly maybe some different ways to corporate pray. Because I know, um, like in our church and stuff, we would say, oh, we're going to come together and pray for an hour. Well, sometimes people are like, an hour? Oh, my goodness, I can't pray for an hour. <laughs> you know, I mean, especially like if they're not used to praying, they may think, man, how do you pray for an hour? And so... There's some ways that you can break it up and, and that and make it real like it goes by like that. I know we've done things and then people are like, man, I can't believe we were praying for a whole hour. I could have went on and prayed more, you know. But here's some some ways, you know, that we've experienced in corporate prayer. And that is um, one thing is just it. This is uh, I don't know if you've ever done a, like a concert of prayer where you uh, have somebody come up and they share like a topic, maybe like um, it could be uh, crime, talk about the crime, share scriptures, and then you ask for a couple people to come up and pray for that, you know, pray those scriptures, pray for that need, and then you share something else. You know, share another need, another topic, and have scriptures to go along with that. And then you invite one or two other people to come up and lead in prayer. And you kind of just uh, keep doing that through the different topics. You know, that's one way. It's called a concert of prayer. There's one thing we did at our church where we had prayer stations. And so we had, like, different corners of the room. We would have um, different topics for prayer. Like, one corner might be our missionaries and just some information that we need to pray for and some scriptures. And you go to that corner and you pray with the people who are in that corner. And you just kind of circle around as you want to circle around. Another corner would have something else. Another corner would have something else. So that's a way to get people moving and praying, you know, different ways. Of course, there's also, we've done prayer walks, which I love prayer walking. Um, but I know our church in Youngstown was in like the hot spot of the city. I mean, our church was right in the center of where most of the crime and stuff were. That's where we planted our church. And so we would go out and we would just prayer walk the neighborhoods. You just walk and just quietly pray, you know, and, and just together. And that's, that's a powerful thing. We've seen God move on our prayer, on our prayer walks, you know, people coming. And then, um, of course, also corporate prayer, there's those intentional times where you have weekly or monthly that you have set aside to come together and just pray together. And, um, you know, that's like the, the John 17. We have a group of pastors that we pray with every Friday morning. You know, we have a prayer meeting at our church with um, people, intercessory prayer. You just have those times where you set them aside for corporate prayer, where you have... Uh, that time to pray together. So those are some some uh, things. And then I think it's important for us, like in Tanzania we saw this when we were there, there was just a culture of prayer. I mean, these people just loved to pray. They were praying all the time. And one thing, we have a friend, Pastor Gary Frost, um, he's a, a wonderful um, friend of ours, but I learned from him because every time I talk with him. He's always saying, hey, let's pray before we before we go. Let's pray before we hang up off the phone. You know, he's always, like, praying. And I was like, wow, 
that's really developing a culture of prayer, you know? Just like when you're with somebody, say, hey, let's pray, you know, before you go. Or like if you're talking about something, hey, let's pray about that, you know? Just have it a part of your everyday conversation in life, you know, bring prayer in. Uh, and I want to give time for us to pray together. So that's what we're going to do next. Pastor Don's going to come. But while she's coming, I just wanted to uh, just make reference of some resources. We have uh, Beth Moore, Praying God's Word. That's a great book. And then she also has um, prayer box cards that you can get. They're cards that you can pray, you know, the scripture. Then there's um, Seek God for the City. This is a great book, but you can also get the app on your phone, and it's it's really neat, uh, an app, and um, yeah, I'll let it, and then there's also, um, uh, what is it, Prayer Shop, or uh, uh, do you remember the website for this? I forget, um, but there's Magazine, Prayer Connect, Fresh Fire, I'm trying to remember, it's by Waymakers, they have uh, magazines that come out like quarterly. I'm thrilled that our network office has Al and Parisiano, who love prayer so much, and they're going to be helping us grow in that area. I'm going to make a couple of assumptions. One is that you're not the senior pastor of your church. How many that's the case for you? You're not the senior pastor of your church. I'm going to make another assumption that if there is a prayer meeting at your church, you're probably going to be there, right? Okay, so here's the challenge. This time next year, I want you to be able to say, I'm going to my prayer meetings, and since this time last year, I'm bringing two friends with me that were intimidated to pray before, but I brought them along as, as disciples in prayer. Uh, because that's, we want, prayer is not for the specialist, it's not for a handful, it's for all the body of Christ. Prayer is to every Christian what breathing is to our body. And you have friends around you that are intimidated to come into the prayer meeting because of how we do prayer. So what I want to share with you right now is going to help you bring a friend to the left and a friend to the right to join you in the prayer meeting that you have. So when we're we're talking about just corporate prayer right now, that's us all praying together, whether you have one organized in your church or it's in your living room or there's five of you that gathers in the lobby before church, you can do this, and God has an assignment for you to grow in prayer and to bring other people along with you. Just some practical things. When you're praying in corporate prayer, you probably pray too long. I know I do. When you are accustomed to praying, you pray so long that the next person doesn't get a chance. So let me challenge you to shorten up your prayer when we pray in a minute. Another another practical thing is you either pray too loud or too soft. If you pray too soft, if somebody else next to you says, Amen, yes, Lord, they just drowned you out and now they can't hear what you're praying anymore. Don't don't look down at the floor and pray uh, so that people can't hear you. Lift your voice so that others can agree together with you as you're praying. Or if you pray too loud, you might interrupt or embarrass or uh, drown other people out. So be self-aware. How am I engaging in prayer that's causing other people to want to be a part too? Because it's corporate prayer. We're not trying to make prayer specialists out of two or three people in our church. We're trying to get everybody to pray together, right? And when, when we pray together, we don't want to just tell God how we think this should work out that would be best for us. Lord, help me pass this test. Well, maybe he wants you to fail it so you drop out of school and get a job somewhere else or whatever. So 
<laughs> let's not tell God what to do, but let's agree together with his nature. Let's agree together with his word. And when we're reproducing ourselves as a prayer, let's reproduce stuff that's scriptural and biblical and right and holy. Let, let's not reproduce things that are harmful in the prayer culture. Okay, so one of the ways we do that is by praying the word of God. You have a sheet of paper here, and I, I used this at our church a year ago um, to help us pray. And so I just wanted to bring this with you. Our city had the opportunity once to have a citywide prayer meeting. The clerk of courts called me and said, we have opioid issues. We had four people die this week. Will you lead a citywide prayer meeting? None of us are allowed to do that, but we can call on a pastor to do it, and you can use our space at the city hall. So I called my friend, the Catholic priest, and I said, will you bring your people over? We're going to pray for the situation in our city. So there was people from five different churches in the area there. When we got done praying, I overheard the Catholics say, Father Pete needs to teach us how to pray out loud like those people at that church did. They didn't know how to pray, and they were embarrassed because they pray recited prayers. So your job is to help people not be embarrassed about prayer and show them you can do this. One of the ways you do that is just break open your Bible, turn to a psalm, and teach people how to pray. It's not wrong to pray recited prayers if that's how someone else does it, but you can help them to be able to pray. So here's a way to pray the word of God. The scripture we're using today is Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And I got this from John Musgrave. He taught us how to do this in, in one of our uh, uh, church life cohorts. So it's very, very simple. But when you look at a passage of scripture, first of all, you're looking at the small phrase of the scripture, and then you're just pointing out two things. What does the scripture tell me about God that makes me want to praise him and acknowledge his attributes? And then secondly, what does this small passage cause me to want to ask or pray into? And so you just take a passage of scripture and go through that. And we're going to practice that right now at your table. There are about three people at each table or so. So you get a chance to practice. If you pray long, you're going to run out of time and the others won't get to. So you've got to pray short. If you pray too loud or too soft, you're going to alienate the people at your table. So you get to practice. What's this mean when we are a we in our prayer meeting, when we are helping one another become better at prayers? Because somebody in your prayer group is intimidated to be there, and you're going to help them to feel like, hey, you can do this. This is not for the specialists. There are not warriors and intercessors and these titles we put over people that pray. Every believer needs to be praying, and you can help other people come around the table and participate. So we're going to practice that right now around your table. So as we look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, verse 9 says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Okay, so that's the Apostle Paul. He's talking to the, the church of, at Colossae, and this is what he's saying about them. Now this passage that's what's in yellow. This passage, what's in red there, will tell us something about the nature of God. So you begin just praying into that. God, I praise you that we can pray to you anytime. I praise you that you have a will for my life and you are willing to let me know that. And you're, you're praising God for his attributes that circle around that small phrase in the scripture. And then after you've done that, you go to the blue part. And the blue part causes you to, what, what can we pray to God and ask him for as a result of this little phrase of scripture? Lord, I pray that you would fill me with the knowledge of your will. I pray you would fill us at my church with the knowledge of your will, and so on. And you can do this with a psalm, with an, with an epistle, 
any part of the scripture, and then you're agreeing together with God of what his nature is and what he wants for the church, and you don't get off on these rabbit trails of, Lord, help Aunt Millie's big toe that's infected, and, and help, help this, <laughs> you're, tell, you're instructing God on what to do that may or may not be his will. So you're helping people grow as prayers in a scriptural way when you, when you pray the word of God, okay? So that's a sample of how it works, and now you're going to do it at your table, so you're halfway down the page there. And don't be shy, don't be bold, don't wait for someone else. Just somebody lead out and read the scripture and then take turns praising God for who he is and asking him for what that that passage promises and take turns praying. Not one person at the table, but everybody. So you got to pray short, pray loud enough they can hear you. Don't pray too loud to where the next table is interrupted. And let's be self-aware and others aware as we're praying so that others would want to join and feel successful as prayers, okay? So jump into it and let's go. You're you're already good at this. Let's pray. And I'll tell you when to move on to the, to the next phase, okay? So we're on that second phase. Somebody read it out through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, and then just begin to pray into it. You already know each other. The red is what we praise God for, and the blue is what we pray into. And the code is at the top of the page there, okay? Jesus. Lord, we're just praying right now. We're praying, Lord, we thank you for the scripture that says, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, Lord, we thank you that you're a God of wisdom. We thank you that you're a God of understanding. We thank you that you are a three-part God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We praise you for who you are, Lord Jesus. And now, God, we ask you, Lord, increase in me the activity of your Spirit. Grant to me, Lord, your wisdom and understanding. Lord, grant to my pastor wisdom and understanding. Lord, I pray, God, for parents in our churches that you would give them wisdom and understanding. God, we call out to you. We thank you for who you are. And we're praying right now. We are praying right now around our tables, God, asking you to give us all wisdom and understanding for your nature, for who you are. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. Okay, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stop. You've prayed around that phrase, and now you'll just go to the next phrase there. Okay, so now we're on verse 10. So somebody can just read it, and then you're praising God for what it reveals about him, and you're praying into him. You getting this? You guys are doing great. That's wonderful. So around your table, everybody pray. So we're on verse 10. Go for it. Father, we say, so you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So, Father, we just praise you right now that you are a God who is worthy of giving you our all. Lord, we hold nothing back because you're worth it. I worship you as one who is able to be pleased by us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you created us to bring you pleasure. We thank you, Lord, that you equipped us to be able to bring you pleasure. That's a wonderful, creative feature of yours, and we praise you, Lord. And, God, now we ask you, Lord, please tune me in to what pleases you. Tune me into what offends you about my life and keep me on track. 
Lord, we pray that for other people in our church. We pray, Lord, that you'd help our church to be a place where we don't offend you, but we glorify you. Father, we pray for our staff. We pray for our pastors. We pray for our kids' ministry, that we would be convicted of things that offend you and that you would help us keep our lives on track, Lord. Jesus, we pray into you, Lord. We pray into this, God. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. And now let's move on to the next phrase. It's a, a short one. The next phrase is bearing fruit in every good work. That's the scripture. And we thank God around that scripture, and then we pray to God around that scripture. Okay? Take turns around the table. If you haven't prayed out yet, now it's your turn. <laughs> Father, we praise you for being the God who brings increase in fruit bearing. Lord, I do my part, but you bring the increase. And we thank you for that, Lord. We praise you, Lord, that you're faithful to make fruit grow when we are faithful. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help the good work that we do to bear eternal and spiritual fruit to your honor, to your glory. Jesus, help our church to bear good fruit. Lord, help our staff, help our kids' workers, help our choir. Lord, we call on you, Jesus. We call on you, Jesus. Lord, we pray to you. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you thanks, Jesus. You're a wonderful Savior. You are a fruit-bearing God, and it's you that does it. We can't take the credit. We don't touch your glory, Lord, but we praise you, and we thank you, God, for what you're able to do, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you, Lord, that you are bearing fruit in every good work because of you. That's who you are. That's who you are. We glorify you, God. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Let's go on to the next phrase. The phrase is simply growing in the knowledge of God. Thank God and then pray to God around that theme. Take turns around the table, just short prayers. Listen to one another as you're praying too and be encouraged by the prayers you hear from somebody else. Go ahead and pray out loud around your table around growing in the knowledge of God. Lord, we worship you because there are layers and layers of who you are that we can continually have revealed to us. You're an awesome God. The more I read your word, the more I worship you and grow in my faith, the more revelation I gain of who you are. And you are beautiful. So we praise you, Lord. This is the God to whom we pray. You're not, your hand is not short. You are powerful. You are wonderful. You help us grow in knowing you. And Lord, we, we desire, now we ask, Lord, that you would help us to grow in our knowledge of you. Lord, help me and my circle of Christian friends to grow in our knowledge of you through your word through encouraging one another. Give us revelation knowledge of who you are. For we love you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you thanks, Lord, for you are a good God. You are a good God. We bless you and praise you. We adore you and magnify you. Jesus, praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lord, now we just thank you for this scripture. We thank you for this prayer model, and we pray that you would help all of us. Lord, identify in our lives one friend, a second friend that we can invite to our prayer circle, whatever that looks like, and help us, God, to reproduce 
Christians who pray. Help us, Lord, to create natural on-ramps for other people that they would feel welcomed and not intimidated to step into our circle of prayer. Help us to challenge them. Lord, we pray that you would help our children to be able to use this model of prayer so that they would know how to pray the word of God. And we ask you, Lord, to use the word to help us know you better and talk to you more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of you just shout out, what was that like for you? What were your observations? How did that work? Pretty good? All right. Good, good. Hey, let's stand together and we're going to have corporate prayer for 60 seconds because here's the deal. Lunch is being served right next door, so you guys are going to be so close. And what you're supposed to do is take your lunchbox to your next session and eat it. At... Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, well, there's one more session and then lunch. Gotcha. Okay. So for 30 seconds, let's pray corporately. Lift your voice and let's call out to God. Father, we pray corporately together in this room. We declare that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you for the miracles that you're going to do as a result of prayer. And Father, we pray for our churches. We pray for the assemblies of God. We pray for our prayer groups in our churches and in our cities. God, that your name would be lifted high and you would be glorified. Father, we pray that you would put in all of us a boldness to chase hard after your heart. We pray, Lord, that you would put relational wisdom in our lives that we would bring along with us children and, and new Christians and people that have never prayed before and show them how easy it is to talk to God and hear from God. And Lord, may there be many, many more people come to know you and experience that connection with you. God, we pray for our pastors that you would help all of our churches to be a house of prayer for the nations. God, be glorified in our lives. We thank you for this session and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for being here. Thanks to the Yanos for this great session.